Ramos, and I am a 201 student here at Metro Praise. Um, my family and I have been coming here for about six months now, and um, just brief testimony of what God has been doing in our lives. Um, I was raised in the church since I was young, so being in the church and knowing the things of God, it wasn't new to me, but um, I wasn't living my life as a disciple for Christ. I was a very compromising Christian, and um, in about May of last year, um, God had had enough, and he had um, specifically told me, you know, I had told other people this all the time, you know, if you don't bend to the will of God, you can get broken, and it was my turn to get broken, and God had to show me that um, I, I needed to put him on the throne of my heart, and I had put man on the throne of my heart, and God showed me that um, if I do that, what can happen? So I had to relinquish all control over to God, and I had to trust him, and trusting him was very difficult for me to do. I felt like I wanted control over everything in my life, and like, you know, Lord, I know I can't do better, but I'm going to try. And um, I praise God because he brought a sister into um, my life, Albertino, who was really there for me and ministered to me during this time of need and this brokenness before God. And um, something that she had um, told me to, to continue to read and I stood on was um, Proverbs 91. And it was really specifically uh, verse 14 through 16. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. And um, a couple months later, he brought me and my family to Metro Praise. And since then, he has been doing that every day of our lives. And our desire to follow God has been stronger. And he is showing us every day um, this verse in our lives. And I just praise him for it. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we praise you and thank you, Lord, for bringing us here this morning and for preparing the way, Lord. I thank you, Lord, because you are a God of hope when we seem hopeless, Lord God. You are a God of promises, Lord God, when we are at our, our most desperate, Lord Jesus. And I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just dwell in this place, Lord God, and bring hope to the hopeless, Lord Jesus. Remind them of, of your promises, Lord God, and that if we love you and if we obey your word, Lord God, you will deliver us through every single time, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, for deliverance, Lord God, and I pray, Lord God, that your spirit would just be here and minister to us, Lord God, and be Lord of our lives. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Good morning. Hallelujah. How many of you guys are ready to worship the Lord this morning? Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy. those hands together. Say, you are holy. You are holy. Come on, he's holy this morning. Come on, we worship your name in this place, God. You're holy. You're worthy, Jesus. Come on, say, Lord of all creation. You ready? Lord of all creation. Water, earth, and sky. Say the heavens are. 
give you glory this morning. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders, God of wonders beyond our death. See, yes, you are, you are whole. Tell him you're holy. Jesus, universe declares your Jesus, sing it out. I will celebrate the lie when I stumble. When I stumble in the darkness. Come on, can we call him out by name this morning? Come on, let's lift up the voice. Jesus, God of wonders, sing it out. Yeah. wonders beyond our Jesus, I will celebrate the light when I stumble, when I stumble in the darkness. We call out your name, Jesus. We call out your name this morning. Sing it out, church. God of wonders. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. Come on, do you believe it this morning? One more time, you want God's name. 
church, I want to remind you that that, that part right there is worship. Not just the parts that we sing with the karaoke screen, but right then, what you did right then, that's called worship. Is when your heart talks to the Lord, when you sing your own song to Him. That is what He desires. The Bible says that He looks to and from. He looks all over this world to find a true worshiper. Someone that's going to be honest about who they are before God. God, I'm nobody. God, I made mistakes. But God, this morning, we come to worship you. Come on, that's what worship is. That's the type of worship our God seeks. Honest and true. In spirit, not in the flesh. Oh, Jesus, that is what pleases you. That type of worship from the heart. How many of you guys feel the Holy Ghost in this place? Come on, if you do, just raise your hands right now. You stumbled into a Holy Ghost moment this morning. Come on. Our God is alive this morning. Our God is alive. The tomb is empty, church. And this real God wants to meet with us. Hallelujah. Before we move on, just tell God, Lord, I got open ears this morning. I got open ears to hear what you're wanting to say to us.
powerful. Come on, can you say that to the Lord by grace? By grace I'm free. Oh, yes, I you am. You rescued me. Now all I am. Sing it just is one more time. Say by grace. By grace I'm free. You rescued me. Now all I So valuable, so costly, and 
with a price, a very costly price. That's how valuable and treasured you are to me. You cost me my life. That's how much you're worth. That's how much you mean to me. You're worth my life.
We sing of your great praise, Lord. You redeem the sky. So that I must say, church. Come on, lift up your hands. All over this place. All over this place. Hands raised. Come on, sing that. We are redeemed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. <laughs> Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, the Bible says. Come on, say so. Are you redeemed today? Are you redeemed? Come on, sing. We, we are redeemed. Hear us singing. You are holy. so powerful that that prophetic word came to Adam's heart because before I came up here I thought of that verse let the redeemed of the Lord say so so what we're going to do is be obedient to that command to that word we're going to say that we're redeemed and not only are we going to say that we're redeemed we're going to shout it with all we've got. Just in case our neighbor doesn't believe us. Just in case our neighbor needs to be redeemed. We're going to say we're redeemed. When I count to three, you're going to shout. When I count to three, you're going to declare your redemption is found on the cross. You are no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to injustice. You are holy. You are a saint of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Is anybody excited in this place? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. One, two, three, shout! Hallelujah! 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 
hear you. Let the devil hear you. Declare. Declare you are saved by the blood of the Lamb. The power of the Holy Spirit is here. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We will say so not only in this building, God, but everywhere we go. In our school halls, at the workplace, in our homes, God. We, the redeemed, will say that you have redeemed us. Man, there's a, there's a heavy presence of God in this place right now. I almost don't want to move on to the next thing. I don't want to move on to the next thing. I will eventually. But there's a powerful thing right now. God is about to overwhelm you. He wants to overwhelm you right now. He does not care about my program. He does not care about my religious program right now. He wants to overwhelm you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So just tell him, overwhelm me, God. Lift up your hands and say, overwhelm me. Overwhelm me. Take control, God. Take control. Overwhelm. Press me down. Press me down, God. Overwhelm me. Overwhelm me. Declare it. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. 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 Who the sun sets free is free ind
It's free, Andy. Who the sun sets free. It's free, Andy. Come on, wave your hands. It's free, Andy. Who the sun sets free. It's free, Andy. Who the sun sets free. It's free, Andy. Who the sun sets free. It's free, Andy. Now shout! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're so awesome. Oh, God. <laughs> Woo. Man. He wants to turn your sorrow into joy. He wants to turn your mourning into what? That's right. Man, God is so good. Just slap your neighbor high five and tell him he's so good. Oh, man. You can have a seat if you can. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Praise God. Man, right now we're going to transition. If you are a, a child, king's kids in the back, so parents, send your children to the back if you can. Now would be the time. Man, I'm out of shape. <laughs> I just skipped a little bit over there. <laughs> I normally don't skip. Well, in my private time maybe, but uh, yeah, I've got to do some cardio. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Welcome to Metro Praise. If this, your, if this is your first time, just raise your hand. Is anybody here for the first time? Anybody? All right, let's give it up for our first-time visitors. Welcome to Metro Praise. My name is Ishmael. I'm one of the elders here at uh, Metro Praise, and simply what that means is I'm here to serve you. Amen? Uh, I'm not here to bring Dalmatian control or any, uh, any form of oppression. I'm here just to serve you. Amen. <laughs> someone say amen. Like, what does that even mean? Amen. Just receive that. For, that was for some people. <laughs> I want to share something with you, which is the gospel. Uh, we're going to look at a verse, 1 John chapter 5, 10 through 12. It says, anyone who believes in the Son of God has, has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Say his son. His son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. You know, you were created for relationship. You were created for relationship. Sometimes we, can, we forget what we were created for. I shared this with my life group last week. We believe so many lies. And the greatest lie that we can believe is that Jesus Christ didn't die for you. That you can't find redemption in him. See, before there was a heaven and earth before there was time space and matter before there was even angels flying around 
in the heavenly realms. Before any of that was created, there was our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they believed in each other. They were with each other. They were satisfied with each other. The Father believed in the Son. The Holy Spirit believed in the, in the Father. And, and just a, re- a reciprocal circle around and around. Beautiful relationship that they had. Loving each other. Being with one another. And then they said, let us make man in our image. In our likeness. You see, when my wife and I got married, and then we started talking about children, we did not say this. We didn't say, honey, we're good people. You know, what we have here is really cool. But, uh, you know, the trash needs to get thrown out once in a while, and the kitty litter needs to be changed. And, uh, you know, honey, you don't like washing the dishes, right? Why don't we, we should get someone else to, to do that. Why don't we have children? <laughs> We, we didn't say that, we? right? No one, no one says, let's have children, unless you're crazy. Let's have children so that they can do our chores. Let's have children so that we can share this love that we have with them. See, that's our God. He created you for relationship. He created you to have you a part of him. Be with him. To share in the Godhead. To be with him. And have all that he has. Amen? Some of you guys are like, really? (laughs) Yes, that's what you were created for. The problem is, some of us believe lies. That's the problem. Because you can't see past your sin. You can't see past the commands of God that you have broken. And everyone has done it. We don't come to church here to fake it. You don't come here to just pretend you got it all under control. Let me put my Sunday best, right? My little hat. (laughs) Let me put on my nice shoes because I want everyone to think that I got this under control. If that's how you come to church, you're believing a lie. You're believing a lie. Come to church vulnerable, saying you can't. There's nothing you can do apart from Christ and his redemptive work that can set you free. Sinner, hear me today. Sinner, hear me. If you do not repent of your sin, you already stand condemned because you believe a lie. And what you believe, you will manifest. That's why I I love believing that I'm a saint. (laughs) I love believing that I'm holy because that's who he's made me. And guess what I manifest? Holiness. Because I believe that. I believe in the work of Jesus Christ. Do you is the question. Do you. We're going to have David and Monica here. And if you need Jesus to deliver you from your sin, if you need Christ to set you free, If you need to stop believing a lie and believe the truth, come to them. They'll pray with you. They'll lead you to the Lord. Amen. Everyone else, uh, let's just stand up. Heavenly Father, your gospel has been preached. 
and it never returns void. I pray, Jesus, that people will open their hearts, open their minds to receive it, that you, oh God, would overwhelm them with your loving power and your saving grace. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. We're going to recite our, our confession of faith, and we have ushers that are going to hand out the confessions if you want them on a piece of paper so you don't have to squint at the screen. You know, like. <laughs> so if you need one, just raise your hands, and the ushers will give you one. Amen. Otherwise, let's just say it together on the count of three. One, two. I'm sorry. Before, we, before I count, see, I, I got you there. <laughs> you might say, why, why do we do this every Sunday-ish? You know, what, the, what is going on? I was going to say, what the heck, but I won't. <laughs> you know, what is going on? <laughs> this is what we believe, amen? This is, our, our, this is, why, this is where we based our worldview. Why, why do we hate abortion? Because of this, our confession of faith. Why do we hate injustice? Because of this, our confession of faith. Why do we hate greed and selfishness? Because of this, our confession of faith. Amen? So let's say it together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit which makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Make some noise, little drummer boy. Let's do this. For the next five, ten minutes, twenty minutes, no, two minutes, just to greet your neighbor, walk around. I want you to meet three new people and introduce yourselves to them. Amen. Go ahead.
Good morning. Good morning, good morning. If you could do me the kind favor, make your way back to your seats. We're excited to be in the house of the Lord this wonderful January, uh, February. We are in February, correct? We, wow, I'm a month behind. I need to catch up. Hallelujah. I think it's the cold coming back in and all the snow. We just want it to be gone. Amen. Some of you are like, no. I mean, welcome to our Metro Praise International every Sunday, 10 a.m. Let's give a hand clap of praise for the Holy Spirit who is here. Yeah, yeah. God, God is in the building. He showed up. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, he's here. Isn't it just good? You know what I noticed and I get to be on the stage and, and just watch everybody worship. When the presence of God comes in, the Bible says that God is good, right? He's good. And just his presence in our worshiping of him, man, I'm going to tell you, there's just a, a, a sense of like, wow, he is a good God. I mean, it's going to be hard for someone to come into the church, especially during a worship service, and kind of like get the, get the sense like, I don't want to do this. I mean, God's presence is so thick, even now into this place where we're doing announcements. Don't think like he's gone. He's going to come back later. He's here now. Amen. He's living in us. Amen. So God is good. Every Sunday, 10 a.m., invite somebody, please. We want to share what God is doing here in people's lives. That's the gospel. Amen. Wednesdays, King's Kids, 6.30 p.m. We actually have this coming Wednesday, our family fun night, which is a game night. Come on, let's give it up for the game night. Woo! February 27th, here at 6.30 p.m. It's all going to be free. You don't have to give any donations. Come. We're going to have a good time. It's going to be at 6.30 p.m. And every Friday at 7 p.m., Elevate. We are just loving Jesus. Come on now. And how many of you guys believe that it's important for young people in this city with the number one uh, murder uh, ratio in any city in the world, that people need Jesus, especially young people. How many of y'all believe it? Come on, Nick. if y'all can do me the favor, I'm the youth pastor of the ministry. I know that you guys know some young people, whether on your way to work, come on now, maybe you're waiting for a bus, or maybe in your family. Please do me the kind favor. God is changing people's lives. Reach out, open your mouth and say, hey, listen, you got to come out, check out this youth group. We are having a good time, y'all. So please do me the favor and be the extension. Like, God, touch this young person's life in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here at Metro Praise International, our vision is to love God and to love people. That's what we desire. Ask yourself the question, how are you doing at loving God and loving people? Come on. I continually need to ask myself that question. Not that I'm insecure, but I remind myself, like, God, you know what? It's so easy to get off track, but, God, I'm focusing on loving you and loving people. And the way we do that here at this church, we have a strategy. We connect you to Jesus. It's simple. Come to a life group. Get mentored. Get see what we're about. We have this cool thing called the one-on-one. -on -one. Amen. It's literally a one-on-one -on -one discipleship. The same way Jesus came and he shared his word with the disciples, we believe that that format, God could have done anything. Check this out. God could have came, Jesus could have came here on this earth and said, man, you know what? In order for you to grow, you need to play basketball forever. Like Jesus could have taken his disciples out and used any kind of format he would have to, to really say, you know what, this is what the kingdom of heaven's about. He could have said like, hey, Peter, it's all about fishing. Or hey, you know what, it's all about just eating. You know, he didn't say that. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Amen. And here at this, we believe that, that when you join, God is literally opening up your heart. You're developing, you're maturing in what God has for you. So many of us were like, man, what does God have for me? I don't know. Maybe it's going to this church, this church. It's discipleship. 
Because in that, it's the fellowship and the training up of what the Holy Spirit would do in your life. Amen. We have a one-on-one and a two-on-one. And once you get connected, you get mentored. That's what I was talking about. And then we send you out. You go to your families. Man, when I got saved and God was doing these things, I noticed that the boldness of the Lord to share my faith was there. I mean, when I rededicated, you couldn't shut me up. I mean, I would talk about it to my saved family. <laughs> you know how good God is? Like, yeah, we go to church. Like, yeah, but he's really good. And telling people, I mean, that's just what happens in your life. So we send you back out and just be bold. Share Jesus with somebody. Man, so many times, you know, even, even to this day, you can get, like, the nervousness. Like, I don't know if they're going to receive it. Man, just share. You don't know what God can do. Amen. He's a good guy. So share it. That's what we believe in. Our goal here. 100,000 disciples in the city, around the world, 50 churches to plant in this city, and 500 around the world. If you believe God can do it, come on and shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's prepare to give our tithes and offering. A tithe is 10% of your total income. An offering is whatever you give to God after your tithe. We have neat ways, and when we give offering, we're not just keeping it to ourselves. I'm on staff. I don't get paid. It's okay. But listen, what we're saying is we want to give unto God's people to continue to do what we're doing here to reach more people. How many of y'all believe here in what we're doing? Amen? Amen. Amen. If you can stand to your feet for me, please. Some cool ways to give online if that's more convenient, easier for you to do. Amen. Let's read this scripture in closing. Not in closing of the service, in closing of announcements. Somebody else time to go? Amen. Luke 6, 38, on the count of three, one, two, three. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless you for your word, for your presence, for your goodness, for Jesus. And God, we just pray, God, as we come here this morning, God, you would do something in our hearts and lives that will never be the same. And God, we also pray financially, God, you continue to build your church through your people. Bless them, Lord, with opportunities and jobs and families, Lord, even when we don't know it, God, send the blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up as you give. How many of you guys excited to be here this morning? Woo! God is good. My name is Nancy. For those of you guys who don't know me, I'm one of the pastoral elders here. I am uh, Pastor Joe's wife. He is actually preaching right now at our Wicker Park campus. So you are privileged to hear from me again. Two months in a row. So if you woke up this morning and you just had this thought cross your mind, man, I wish Pastor Nancy was going to preach, your dream has come true today. Amen? All right. Well, this month, the month of February, we have been focusing on our month series of God's great and precious promises. And I will be closing it out today, and I will be talking to you about God is good. That is a promise. He is good. We serve a good God. So I don't want you after this Sunday, after this, you know, this day, this week, to just kind of brush this uh, month's series and just kind of put it in your back pocket and say, oh, that, that was a good series that we talked about. We have got to understand that as believers, the redeemed of the Lord, we have these great and precious promises because we have a relationship with our God. 
So don't just shove them away. Don't forget about what was talked about, what we've invested into your life. All the month's devotionals. How many of you guys have been following the devotionals that Joe's been putting out? Let's not forget about that. We have not been called to a religion, okay? The fact that we have God's great and precious promises accessible to us is because we are experiencing God in our life. We are not dead in our religion. We don't serve a God that does not have ears and eyes that can't hear and see. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his word is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword, and we have his promises in our life accessible to us. So let's experience God. Let's not forget who he said we are, our family, the promises for our family, salvation, all of the promises, the precious promises of God. That is who we are. Because if we cannot stand on promises like this from a God who is alive, we are to be pitied among every man. Okay, we don't serve Buddha. We're not serving Muhammad. We're not serving some occultish type God. We are serving Jesus Christ, our living Savior, the God of the universe who has every hair on your head counted. The Bible says that he's engraved you on the palm of his hands. You are the apple of his eye. He knows you. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we receive these great and precious promises from. It is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. We've received the salvation. And with that salvation comes that intimate relationship with the living God. And through these great and precious promises, our faith gets uh, stirred up and it gets elevated because we know the God who we serve. Amen. How many of you guys know the God that you serve? Come on, how many of you guys know that you serve a good God? He doesn't want to harm us. Just like the illustration that Ishmael gave, he did not create us to be his children so that we could become his slaves. We serve a good God who loves us, who wants to take care of us. Amen? And he wants us to experience his goodness in our life. Even when all hell is breaking loose, he is good and what he does is good. Come on. Amen. Let's read this passage uh, this main passage for this month's series has been found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-3. Three, three. I'm just going to run through this. If you guys are there, please say, I'm there, once you get there, because I do want to read this together this morning. Amen. It is on the screen as well. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-8. through eight. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Say life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world. How many of you want to um, participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption. Amen. We stand on those great and precious promises. It's through those that we might participate in that divine nature because we want to escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, say in increasing measure, come on, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share with you this chart that Joe uh, 
preached about last week. He did not have this chart, but he talked to us about God's promises of his desire for us is to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. How many of you guys were blessed by that message last week? And so through the Second Peter passage of life and godliness, in our life and in our godliness, God desires for us to be healthy, to be wealthy, to be wise. And if you missed that message, you can go to our website and find all of the past recordings of these scriptures. I just wanted to show this to you because we have got to remember that this is God's desire for us, that in our life, in our godliness, he has given us all that we need. And we need to put into action faith so that we can claim these promises, so that we can allow these promises to come into fruition in our life. Amen. And then the week before, Adam came up and he preached to you guys about Abraham's journey. And his, uh, one of the most important things that I picked up on from that message was that he was telling us as believers that as Abraham trusted and obeyed God through his journey, God proved himself faithful according to the obedience that Abraham had. And so I want to challenge you as I'm preaching today, just remember that in order for us to have access to these promises, we have got to be obedient to God and what he tells us to do. When God told Abraham to go, Abraham went. He left all that was known to him to go to an unknown place. So obedience to God, again, is key to experiencing the fulfillment of his promises to us through our faith in him. Come on, Jesus. God is good. Amen? Psalm 34, 8. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. How many of you guys have tasted personally and have seen the goodness of God? If you are in this place and you cannot point back from the time that you have been saved, and probably even before we were saved, but from the time we were saved till now, God is good. We have experienced his goodness. We have tasted and seen. And I want to encourage you today, if you're at a place in your searching of God or even in your relationship with God and you've been saved for maybe a short time or even a long time and you cannot be honest before God and before uh, the church of God and say, you know what, I haven't tasted and seen God's goodness, but I want to encourage you today to allow the word of God to stir inside of you so you can experience God in your life and see his hand move in you through your faith. See, that passage of scripture in 2 Peter is for us to act upon. Every day you need to be adding to your faith all of those qualities so that we can taste and see that God is good. That is a part of his character. That is who he is. He cannot ever not be good. You understand? He is full of justice and mercy, grace and truth. We serve a good God. I look back at the times, you know, when I got saved. I got saved in um, 2001. And I just, you know, it's been 12 years. 2000, November. I can't get it mixed up with 2000, 2001. November 2000, I got saved and I look back, and I'm just, God, I'm just thinking, you know, God has been so faithful through my seasons of life, from when I was single to living with my parents, and all that he provided for us there, from the times when I said, you know what, God, I'll go for you. I'll go on mission trips, and he's provided. From the time Joe and I started this church in our house, and it was like a little seed. We believed that the promise that God gave to us about making disciples and planting churches, that it would come to fruition God has been good to me. I have an awesome marriage. I have beautiful children that are healthy and strong. God is good. 
And even if things were going, even when things have gone wrong in my life, God is still good. And some of you have experienced major heartache. I want to encourage you today that in the midst of your storm, God is still good. Because he cannot disown himself and change his character to be anything else but good to you. And we're going to look at the story of Joseph. How many of you guys are familiar with the story of Joseph? I'm going to use that story to make it applicable in somehow in some way to our life so that we can see how God is able to sit back in our life in peace and calm. God is not up in heaven, okay, you know, flipping over his throne and just pulling out his hair and saying, oh, my goodness, they totally messed everything up. He's not freaking out. He is sitting, the Bible says. He's not even standing. When you think about the, the, the depiction of of God and the Bible, he is sitting on his throne. And that is a place of peace. It is a place of authority. It is a place of him being in control and orchestrating every little detail in our life. And a lot of that orchestration has to do with how we are responding to life as it comes to us. And the story of Joseph is just one of my favorites. Um, it's the first, and then kind of reminds me of the story of Esther, just because you see the justice of God, and he sits back, and you can just picture God just watching all these events unfold in Joseph's life, and his hand is just so subtly in his life and so real in his life, and all Joseph had to do in each of his seasons was trust in God and that his promises would be fulfilled. He obeyed God. And so we're going to see four areas of Joseph's life. If you guys can turn with me to chapter 37, verse 5 through 11, we're going to see four areas that Joseph was able to taste God. I'm still on the previous slide. Uh, Genesis 37, 5 through 11. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So he had a whole bunch of half-brothers. He had 11 half-brothers. He said to them, listen to the stream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. I mean, you can imagine somebody telling you this dream. His brothers are probably thinking, you are crazy, boy. You are the youngest of all of us. Who do you think you are? But he had this dream. And these dreams were prophetic dreams from God. And Joseph was actually being given these dreams to depict what was going to be happening in the future. When he told his father as well as his brothers, His father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. After these dreams came to Joseph, he was about to embark on a journey that he probably would have never had imagined on on himself. He could have never have thought up that that is how his life would have ended up. In order for this dream that God had given to him, that he would be a ruler 
one day that he would reign. And for some reason, you know, at that time, they, they didn't understand. But for some reason, you know, all these people are bowing down to him. So Joseph only knew in part. But he was about to embark on a journey with God as we all are embarking on this journey with God. And he was going to be able to taste and see God's goodness in every season of his life. The first taste that Joseph had was that Joseph tasted the faithfulness of God. As we continue reading on in Genesis chapter 37, his brothers see him from a distance and they say to him, oh, here comes that dreamer. And they start messing with him. And they started plotting within themselves to kill Joseph. They didn't, they didn't love Joseph as a brother. They actually hated him. They hated him because of these dreams. They hated him because his father and mother favored him above all the other children. But one of the brothers, Reuben, he stood up and he says, let's not take his life. Let's just, you know, just throw him in this cistern in the desert, but let's not lay our hand on him. And so his brothers, his own flesh and blood, they betrayed him. They wanted to kill him. And then one of the 11 brothers stands up and said, let's not do that. Let's just throw him in there. And as the story continues to unfold, it actually turns out that the brothers came back and they sold Joseph, their baby brothers, probably around 17 years old at this time, to slave traders. And they took Joseph to the land of Egypt, which to them at that time was a, it was a foreign land. It was a wicked, evil place for them to, to go to. Egypt was not a, a likable place for, for the Israelites. And so... That's what they did. When Joseph came, they stripped him of his robe. They threw him in the cistern. And then we see Joseph is in the land of Egypt. And in Genesis 39, 1 through 5, I want to read this. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. An Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph. Say, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph experienced God's faithfulness to him in the midst of betrayal from his own family. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord had gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his master's eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted his care, um, everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing on the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So in the midst of being betrayed, in the midst of this family feud, he was being persecuted by his brothers. I mean, can you even put, your put yourself in that specific situation? You are being sold by your family into slavery, being taken away from your mother and father who will never really know what happened because his brothers told him, told his mother and father that he had been eaten by a, a vicious uh, animal. So they didn't, the, the father didn't even know what really happened. So here's Joseph, young, all alone, has always been under the care and supervision of his family. He had to get to a place in his walk with God because he knew the faith that he had. He trusted in the God of his forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was the God that Joseph served, and he knew the stories, and he heard about the promises, and he saw and heard about the stories of God's hand in Abraham's life, in Isaac's life, in his own father Jacob's life, and he knew the God that he served. And in this place of wickedness, 
with ungodly people, he prospered. Why? Because God was faithful to him. And Joseph was able to taste and see that God was good. He tasted and saw God's faithfulness to him in the midst of being in a foreign land, being forced into slavery in that home. Joseph flourished. He flourished. And I could almost just imagine the fear, being scared. But he had that solid foundation where he knew who his God was. How do we apply that to us? Have you ever been betrayed? Have there been um, feuds in your family, just tension, things that just don't feel right sometimes? And you're like, God, why is this happening to me? I am serving you. It's in those trials, in the midst of persecution, maybe you have a real tough family and they're, you know, in one religion and they're just not really accepting of where you're coming from, you have to remember God will remain faithful. Are you going to allow situations where you get betrayed to bring about resentment and bitterness in your life? How easy could it have been for Joseph, as young as he was, to be experiencing what he was experiencing, to just get bitter, to resent God? I think about that, it's like, oh my Lord, if I was sold into slavery, my goodness, Jesus, where are you? I'd be a little bitter, just a little bit. Okay, let's just be honest. We have to guard our heart. We will not be able to taste and see the faithfulness of God in our life if we are not on a daily basis adding to our faith goodness, adding to our faith perseverance, adding to our faith knowledge and godliness. If you are on a daily basis making these deposits into your life, cultivating this relationship with God, when the storm comes, you will be able to make a withdrawal. When tough times come and people turn against you and you find yourself in a place where you don't think you belong, this should not be where I am today. People did me wrong. If you keep your eyes on Jesus and do not allow the resentment, the bitterness, the anger, the hatred, to corrupt your faith, you will see the hand of God move in your life because his promises are conditional upon our actions. We have to be obedient to his commands regardless of the circumstances around us. He will be faithful in the middle of your storm. Every place we find ourselves in, we must do everything is unto the Lord. That's what Joseph did. He didn't grumble and complain where he was placed to be a slave in Potiphar's house, he flourished there. He did it as unto the Lord, and even Potiphar, that Egyptian slave master, took notice and said, God is with you. And that, that was an ungodly man. That was a man that didn't believe in the one God. He noticed. People will take notice in your life when you are following the commands of God. And you are living in his faithfulness. You're tasting and seeing his faithfulness. The people around you will take notice. Amen? The second thing Joseph was able to taste was that he tasted the power of God. In this situation, he had found himself in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife began to make moves on him, okay? The Bible says that um, he was well-built and handsome. So Joseph was a good-looking man, young man. And here's Potiphar's wife, this Egyptian woman, okay? He's like, I want some of that. She's like, I want him. So what does she do? She tries to force herself on him. She actually says, come to bed with me. Joseph, a young man, 
away from the tutelage of his parents, he could think, God left me. God's not really with me anymore. I don't really have to follow his commands because I was doing that, and this is where I ended up. He was faced with a temptation. He refused it, though. He says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in this house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master was, has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He did not forget the God of his forefathers. He did not forget the God who remained faithful to his promises. He did not steer away and say, you know what, God, you left me. I should not even be in this place right now. So you know what, I'm going to have a little fun because I don't care what you want me to do. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused. He refused it. There will be moments in our life when we will be faced with temptation. It doesn't matter how long we've been saved. We cannot think that we're at a place where we are invincible from temptation. The Bible says, take heed lest you fall. Okay? So we will be faced with temptation on our jobs. We will be faced with temptation within our families, in ministry. But we cannot do such a wicked thing. You have to choose today that in the midst of everything that you're going through, you want to taste the power of God in your life, the power for holiness, the power to walk in his strength, to avoid sin. Get into a place in your life where you hate sin. Too many people that call themselves Christians, here's the line of sin. And instead of saying, I want to be as far away from that line, I wish I could move further, but I can't. I want to be far, far away from that. Too many of us walk just right along the line. Because we just want to see how close we can get to it and still get by. God will not bless your mess. When you are faced with temptation in your circumstance, in the season of life, taste and see the power of God. Joseph is an awesome example of being faced with temptation. We have a lot of examples in scripture where other men of God have fallen. You know, King David, he didn't pass this test, okay? He didn't pass this test. Joseph passed the test of sexual temptation. What are you being tempted with right now? In what area of your life? See, we have to understand it doesn't have to be, oh, I slept with, uh, you know, I cheated on my, sp on my spouse. Some of you men in here, husbands, you have the temptation to just kind of sit back and be lazy and not take charge of your families. Okay, what temptation are you facing? Women, facing the temptation of not... Um, Humbling yourself to your husband, being submissive, hiding things from your spouses, the temptation to, to cheat, steal, or lie on your job so that you can get ahead, allowing greed, the temptation of greed to just overcome your life. That is not the God that uh, we serve, the God that just, you know, saves us for a little bit and then allows us to fall into that. God has given us power. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. The spirit of the living God is in us to give us strength in those times. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. Say, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. 
How many of you guys believe that God did that for Joseph? Come on. Joseph passed the test. God will allow tests to come into our life because the Bible says that our faith, the refining of our faith is more precious than gold. If God allowed Joseph to become a ruler two months after he had those dreams, do you think that Joseph would be able to handle all the pressures that come with a position of being a ruler over a land? See, God tests our character in seasons of our life because he wants to know if he could trust us. Can God trust you with a promise that you are claiming? God, you promised this to me. How long will you wait for that? How many tests are you willing to pass? God wants to be able to trust you before he gives you his promise because our faith needs to be refined. He sees us and he says, you are more valuable than gold. Your faith is more precious than gold. I want it to be pure. Amen? The third taste that Joseph had of God's goodness was that he tasted the favor of God. After that situation with Potiphar's wife, she actually accused him of raping her. And Joseph was an innocent man. It was the complete opposite. So in Genesis 39, 19 through 23, we read, When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Say, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. Can you imagine that? He is in charge not only in Potiphar's house, but the favor of God is so heavy on his life that he gets wrongfully accused, put into prison, and they, people around him can see God so much in him that now he's in charge of the prisoners. He could not escape the favor of God if he wanted to, okay? The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. How many of you want to have the favor of God on your life? How many of you in here have tasted the favor of God? Come on, I know we have tasted God's favor in our workplaces, in our families, in the, you know, our extended families. The favor of God is on your life to do good things in the midst of you being in a prison, in the midst of you feeling like you were in a wilderness. This was a setback for Joseph. This setback all the plans that he could have imagined of somehow being promoted to becoming a ruler. This is not how it's going to work. He's probably thinking to his, in, his, in his mind, like, how am I going to be in prison, looked at as a criminal, and accomplish these dreams that God has for me? He was wrongfully accused. They did him wrong. They did him wrong. How many times in your life have you experienced, obviously not this exact situation, but a setback? a setback that was out of your control. And you thought to yourself, life is not fair. This is not how I imagined it to be at this point. Whether you have lost a job or can't find a job right now. So many people in our, in our, in our country with this economy, they can't pay for their mortgage anymore. You know, I'm trying to apply this to our life. Obviously, nobody here is being wrongfully accused of a criminal act and is in prison. So let's take this and... Figure out where are you in life? Has there been a setback? Has there been a situation 
that has not pushed you forward and excelling to where you want to be in your life, but it just feels like I'm stuck. This is not how it's supposed to pan out. I expect more at this season of my life. What about losing a child? Miscarriage after miscarriage. All the, dis the despairs of life that come our way. How should we react in situations in our life that seem unfair? Because in your mind, you're like, man, I should not be here. How should we react? We trust in God and do not complain. We trust in his promises. We claim his promises that I am blessed in the city, blessed in the fields, blessed when I come and when I go. Your hand is upon me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I am not, the, I am not the, the tail, I am the head. God has favor on your life. He has you in this holding place for a reason. How are you reacting? Joseph didn't complain in the time in prison. He flourished. Why? Because his eyes were on Jesus, and he did not allow his faith to be corrupted. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 16, the subtitle of this passage of Scripture is Shining as Stars. How many of you guys want to shine as stars? Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Did you guys know that we had to do that? Where it's not just that one moment that we are saved. We continually, every day, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. How many of you guys want to be blameless before God, pure before God? Stop arguing. Stop complaining. Pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. If you want to be without fault in this generation of wickedness that we are in, do not grumble and complain. No matter what season you are in, no matter who has come against you, no matter what has come your way that has caused you despair and has allowed you to be in what you think is a prison where God has you in this holding place because he wants to test your character, do not allow this crooked and depraved generation to corrupt your faith in the God that you serve and the God who is not a man that he should lie but is true to his promises. In this generation, you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I want to challenge you today. We need to be bold in our faith. We need to hold out this word of life and say, come hell or high water. I know the God that I serve. I know that he is true to his promises. And I may not see it now, and I can barely touch it, but I'm going to live holy. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to taste his favor on my life, no matter what area of life I'm in, no matter what situation, what season, because that is what he wants from us, a refined faith. We're unmovable, unshakable from our circumstances. His word is like a rock, a solid rock, a foundation under our feet that nothing can knock us over. Guard your heart. Protect your testimony. 
It is a precious thing that God has begun in us. The Bible says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The only person that can mess that up is you. Not your mommy, not your daddy, not your children, not your boss, not your coworker, not your best friend, you. Are you going to allow this generation, the cares of this world, the pressures of life, the trials and the temptations to snuff out the light that is in you? No. I would encourage you today, allow the favor of God to shine on your life. When you are faithful to him, he will be faithful to you. You will see the hand of God on you, and so will the ungodly around you. They will be able to say, you know what? I'm not going to talk about that girl. I'm not going to look at her wrong because I know that God is with her people around you, even the sinners will be able to see the hand of God on your life. And even in the midst of where you are, you will succeed in all that you do. Why? Because you're going to do it as unto the Lord. You're not doing it as unto men. Nothing that we do can be unto man. Coming to church, you do it unto Jesus. Doing the 101 discipleship, you do it unto Jesus. Coming to the 201 faithfully, doing all the assignments, you don't do it for Jared. You do it for Jesus being faithful to the ministry that God has given to you in life groups and what you've committed yourself to, you don't do it for your life group leader. You do it for Jesus. Why? Because God has called us to do everything is onto him, blameless and pure. That's what he wants. We don't serve man. We serve God. And we do it with excellence. And we do it with a cheerful heart. We don't do it with a complaining and grumbling spirit like, oh, I got to go to 201 class again. God who sees that. You better watch yourself. All this little complaining and mumbling and grumbling about what God has you, where God has you, what you're doing. How many of you guys remember a story in the Bible of people complaining and grumbling? Does anybody remember a story? They were supposed to be in a place for four days and it turned into 40 years. Oh, yeah, the Israelites, they got uh, saved out of slavery of, in Egypt for 400 years. God miraculously saves them out of that wicked land. He opens the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground, and here they are in a place where they can trust God. They saw his hand move mightily in their life, and they were only supposed to be wandering around in the desert for four days. But they grumbled, and they complained, and they moaned and groaned against God to the leaders, to Moses, to Aaron, who you guys have brought us out here. You've, you're going to leave us to die. We're going we're gonna to die of thirst and hunger out here. Who are they complaining against? God. They ended up being in that desert for 40 years. Watch yourself. Let your words bring life to your situation. The power of life and death is in your tongue. Speak life. Speak faith. Say, you know what, God? I don't want to be here right now, but you know what? I'm going to do it as unto you with a pep in my step and a smile on my face with joy that comes from the Holy Ghost with all of the fruit of the Spirit because I'm doing it as unto you. The moment you take your eyes off of Jesus and you see man in front of you, you have become a part of a religious system and you have become your own God. Do not allow your faith to dry up, to shrivel and die. You add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance every day because when that storm comes and you're in a place where you don't feel like you need to be or deserve to be, the favor of God will rise up in your life and you will taste and see that he is good because by your own mouth you are pouring forth seed that will come into fruition, that will be good seed. Amen? Speak your promises. 
Don't speak your complaints. Speak the promises of God and ask God to give you the fruit of the Spirit every day cultivated so that you can be who he's called you to be. Come on. How many of you guys want to taste God's favor in your life? God is good. I want to say this together. Ishmael, help me out. When I say God is good, you guys are going to say all the time. And then I'm going to say all the time, and you guys are going to say God is good. So God is good. And all the time, never forget that. Never forget that. The fourth taste that Joseph had was that he tasted the fulfillment of God's promises. So here we are coming to the end of this story, which for Joseph, you know, was, it's not a few chapters. For him, it was many, many years. God never forgot the dreams that he gave to Joseph. While in prison, Joseph was called by Pharaoh to interpret a dream. That was a gift that uh, Joseph had was to interpret dreams and, you know, discover the meaning. And in Genesis 41, 39 through, 40, uh, through 46, we see the conclusion in part here. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since you interpreted my dream and you told me what God has for the future, basically these dreams that Pharaoh was having, Joseph interpreted them to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine was coming to Egypt. And Joseph, by the Spirit of God, had so much wisdom that he had planned out how the world can be saved at that time. He had the, the council and told Pharaoh, this is what it means, this is what's coming. You need to appoint a man to do X, Y, and Z so that we don't all perish. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Somebody say Joseph was justified. I love this story. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And men shouted before him, make way. This he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph a new name. He gave him an, uh, one of the, uh, the daughters of a priest to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the whole land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. He was 17 years old when God gave him the dreams. And he was 30, year old, 30s, 30 years old when he saw him come to fulfillment. For 13 years, he went through this journey of his faith being tested. And just like how Job had cried out, he says, I have been tested and proven, and I will come forth as gold. And Joseph, for those 13 years, he was tested and he was proven and he saw the fulfillment of God's promises. How many of you in this place have tasted and seen God's promise fulfilled to you already? Because there's a lot of promises. We don't just have one. We must taste and see promises come into fulfillment in our life because God is good. And if you're at a place where you feel like you're maybe at this 13-year plan and you're at year two, hold on, baby, because it's going to be a bumpy ride. But you just passed those tests, okay? You put Jesus first. Joseph didn't allow the resentment, the bitterness, the anger, the hatred for his brothers and what they did to him to come into his life, to contaminate his heart and corrupt his faith. His courage and faith in God 
kept him and enabled him to do great things. That is why it says in 2 Peter, through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Don't allow evil, wicked desires to snuff out the commands of God in your life. Keep Jesus first. Live holy. Do what he tells you to do. Be obedient to the task at hand. Psalm 23, 5, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He gives us favor in the presence of the wicked. He is faithful to us when everybody leaves us. Stand up to your feet with me. If you could change it to the next slide. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus. If the band can come up. I want to read to you a, a deeper explanation, a commentary that, um, that explains this passage of Scripture. And I just want you, if you guys can, to just close your eyes all across this place. We're going to have a time of prayer here at the altars for leaders to pray for you. And I just want you to think about Joseph's journey. And look at your journey in life. God was faithful to Joseph. Joseph was able to taste and see that God was faithful. He was able to taste and see the power of God, that he could overcome temptation. He didn't have to compromise. He didn't have to take shortcuts. He tasted and saw the favor of God in his life, and he saw the promises of God fulfilled. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Apply to him by faith and prayer. Plead his promises because he will fulfill them. And you shall know in consequence that the Lord is good. God has put it in the power of every man to know whether the religion of the Bible be true or false. The promises relative to enjoyments in this life are the grand tests of divine revelation. These must be fulfilled to all them who with deep repentance and true faith turn unto the Lord. If the revelation which contains them to be of God, let any man in this spirit approach his maker and plead the promises that are suited to his case, and he will soon know whether the doctrine be of God. He shall taste and see that the Lord is good and that the man is blessed who trusts in him. This is what is called experimental religion, the living the operative knowledge that a true believer has that he has passed from death unto life. We experience this religion, which is really an experiential relationship where we are called to cultivate this intimacy with the Lord every day, to be people of faith that when the storms and the winds blow and the waters rise against our life, that we will be able to say, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. What ground are you standing upon today? Are you standing on the ground of, your, of the solid faith that comes through the word of God, these great and precious promises that we are not to just forget about after this month is over, these great and precious promises that we must allow to build our faith as we keep our eyes on Jesus, follow his commands, we're obedient to the things that he's telling us to do. That is the ground you must stand on. 
Everything else is sinking sand. Berto, can you come and take the table, please? Altar workers, if you could come on up to the front. I want everybody in this room to just think and to reminisce of God's goodness in your life. There are many of you here who've been serving the Lord for a while. You've tasted and you have seen God's goodness. And I want to encourage you today, don't ever forget about it. We serve a good God. We serve a mighty God. And it's not over in your life. For those of you who have tasted and have seen his word come to pass, there's so much more. Get a hold of God. Claim what he is promising to you. And one year, two years, three years, ten years can go by, and you can raise up your hands and say, God, when will this come to pass? And he will look back and see the ten years that have gone through in your life, and he will see how you've developed, and that is so precious to him. So don't, so don't look down on the journey. Embrace the journey. Love the journey. With all of the hiccups, with all of the bumps in the roads, with all of the setbacks, with all of the betrayal, with all of the persecution and the family feuds and the temptations, embrace everything that life brings your way because you can rest assured that God is sitting on his throne in heaven in peace, in perfect harmony, orchestrating everything in your life. And all he's asking you to do is to trust him and to obey him. That is our part. God will bring the justification. God will bring healing where there has been pain. And for those of you here this morning, if you're in a place when you're saying, man, I, I have not experienced God, God's goodness, I want to encourage you to come to these altars. But before you do, I want you to pray in your seat. And I want you to ask the Lord, say, God, I want to experience your goodness. I want to taste and see that you are good. Take me to a new level in my relationship with you. And if you are holding back, if you haven't fully surrendered, I encourage you to do so today so that you can taste and see the goodness of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Make your way up to the front. If there's specific prayer requests in the area of your life that you're struggling in or a season that you're in that's just getting so hard and you're being faced with various things that we've talked about in Joseph's story, come on up. Be encouraged. Let them pray with you and come into agreement of God's promises in your life. Amen.